we dance this line? Because I don't want to promote this show. We're not promoting it. You're you're going to complain about. Uh, I don't know. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> uh, I, okay. I, okay. Let me try that again. Okay. I'll come in again. Okay. You ready? <laughs> okay. There was so something came on. TV. I've had a lot going. I what? Never mind. What's wrong with you? I a lot. Okay. Like, I want to, oh, this is really hard. It's hard to be a fan and and also support. And I get, this is why, this is why, this this moment right here where I'm like, I cannot, with the words, uh, is what a lot of, a lot of creators are struggling with right now and are losing that struggle. Um, Badly. Because we, we want to talk about it. We want to gush about uh, all the, the cool stuff that we're fans of that's happening right now. And because of solidarity, solidarity with the strikes, we shouldn't. And so we don't. Some of us choose not to, but some of us can't resist. And between between the the fan urge to uh, to talk about and gush and micro analyze every moment, and the creator urge to get more of that sweet sweet clicks and likes action, and tap it directly into my vein, um, it's a there's a lot of temptation out there to break with solidarity, and a lot of people have been giving in. Like it's just. Like a hundred plus days is just too long to to be supporting uh, workers' rights and stuff. And I get it; it's long. It's a marathon. Imagine you're the worker. Imagine you're the actor or the writer who hasn't been paid properly in years, and who is now having to look at like second mortgaging out your house if you even own one to be able to make ends meet because you're on strike right now because of the rampant abuses of the studios and stuff like that. So it's really hard to maintain solidarity. Suffice it to say. I have a friend who spoilered me on a recent show. Yeah. And I have a well-documented on certain social medias, um, seething flames on the sides of my face, hatred for people who spoil new content. Mm-hmm. So, so he's, he spoilers me on it. And I'm like, dude, I haven't watched it. Don't spoil, please. And he's like, okay, another spoiler. Dude, I have not watched it. Do not do this. Okay, fine. One last spoiler. God damn it. And this is a friend. This is somebody who's hitting me up on Facebook Messenger. So every time his notification pops up, there's like the spoiler. It's right there. I can't change the notification. So if I look at my phone, I'm being spoiled. So I was like, dude, I love you. I'm going to mute you for 24 hours until I've watched it. Yeah. After which he pops off in the chat and he's super furious with me for muting him when he repeatedly did a thing I asked him not to do. Hashtag all men is what I'm saying. Men are pigs. God damn it. Men are pigs. Like, well, no, I mean, what? look, I used to be that guy. We talked about this before. I used to be that guy. I used to be like, oh, if, uh, you don't want to be spoiled. Stay off social media. Oh, how dare how dare you th- try to control right. what I say? Blah blah blah. I used to be that guy, and then I learned emotional intelligence and <laughs> empathy and consideration for others. And this isn't even like just posting on social media. He direct messages right. me. Right, it's worse. Like he's right in my face. Like, hey, spoiler. What? Why would you do that after I've asked you not to? multiple times i gave him a great deal more grace than i would give most people because we've been friends for 
God, longer than I've been friends with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I knew I, him before I knew you. And I'm surprised. I, I vaguely know this person, kind of, sort of. We were in class together, um, <laughs> which reminded me, did you wear shoes in your dreams, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> because if you wear shoes in your dreams, that means that you understand, because shoes go under our standing, right? Because it's under your feet. It's under your standing. I'll tell that story in a second. But, like, yeah, no, I was in a class, <laughs> I was in a class with him, and he was very mild-mannered, very nice. So this is, like, out of left field for me. But t- a lot of shit can go down in 20 years. Yeah, sure. Um, We're going to have a conversation about it once I've watched, right. is what I'm saying. And anyway, he's not going to enjoy it. <laughs> so that's and that's been the least irritating stressing moment right. of my week everybody so i'm really glad to be here at a time when we can escape into a galaxy far far away uh in book form so. right right speaking so uh in college i took a class called intro to fine arts in which <laughs> i am expecting to learn about the fine arts at least in an introductory way. I believe we affectionately all, when we found out, like, if you had this class, because there was all of the teachers in our theater department had to teach this class. But if you got it with this particular teacher, uh, we called it intro to his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I was told I needed to buy three books uh, for uh-huh. this class. I bought them. Mm-hmm. They were expensive. Yeah. Uh, never opened them. Not once. Never had a test. Uh, I learned about... Um, Different goddesses and gods and mm-hmm. uh, interesting interesting concepts about how to interpret your dreams. Like if you wear shoes, you that means that you understand the dream. If you're mm-hmm. barefoot, you don't. Um, and uh, it was literally the biggest waste of my time. I think I went to the class it maybe... It was a free credit is what that was. I went to the class maybe five times. I still got an A. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because if you could convince him... That you were out there receiving the messages of the universe, literally. Like, yeah. No, this is not an exaggeration. Yeah. Like, I saw three bluebirds. Yeah. And I know what it means. Like, literally, you could say that and he would be like, amazing, brilliant. You've learned the lessons. And then you passed. You yeah. I was I was just getting cute. Yeah. That works too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, college. Yeah. <laughs> 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 What a wise investment that was. The best Such thing a- I got out of the best thing I got out of college, aside from my husband, was you, Heather. Oh, samesies. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So let's go to Camino. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Camino. <laughs> Actually, what I love about this book is Camino hasn't shown up yet. Like the only frequently used planet that we've encountered so far is Coruscant. I know, right? Like, oh, how refreshing. It's almost like there's a big galaxy out there. We don't just have to go to Camino and Tatooine. Or yeah. Dathomir. Yeah. Dathomir's awesome. I wouldn't mind going to Dathomir. Oh, I love I love me some Dathomir. Anywhere. I too like to go to Hot Topic. So <laughs> <clears throat> Alright, alright. <laughs> Do we want to intro a show? I'm ready. Do you want to intro a show? Cool. Cool. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome back to Dark Side Divas, the podcast where a woman and a gay man express their opinions about Star Wars. My name is Stephanie, I'm the woman half of the show, and look, spoilers are bad, why would you do that? Why, what, what, do you just hate other people? You don't want them to enjoy things? Is that why you're doing spoilers? I can say this because he doesn't listen to our podcast. Snap. Hey everybody, I'm Chris, I am that homo gays electric sexual <laughs> and and stephanie uh-huh 
You know, your father never worked me as hard as you did. <laughs> well. <laughs> Mari. Girl. Goodness. Okay, okay. So, uh, do you have anything before we get into why we're here? Uh, I actually want to revisit the topic we kind of already brushed up real quick. Okay. Um, but we got, let me put it in context. We got a review on Spotify. Oh, right. Which I completely always forget to check. I'm so sorry. Uh, but thank you for leaving messages on there, even negative mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> uh, Preezy80911 says, I'm sick and tired of you talking about the books. Why can't you just go back to the shows? Y'all were so much better at that. <laughs> oh, shit. Christopher, what are we doing with our lives? We're supporting the strikes. Preezy0911 says that we suck now, though. We have to change everything. That's it. We're abandoning the book 23 chapters in. Fuck the High Republic. Let's switch it right now. Let's do it. Also, fuck our principles and ethics, too. Right. Like, how, how, how are you not aware of why we're doing this person who left this comment? We have said repeatedly, even while we were doing the shows, and then, uh, and then when we switched over to books, we've been very clear. I think, I suspect, I suspect, here's my, here's my theory. Uh, he looked at the title of the podcast and was like, ew, a book I don't read and just hasn't listened at all. So he doesn't, he doesn't have the full explanation. So I have a very good friend that I, I, I I made a, 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 They've become a very good friend. They're kind of a newer friend, but um, they're a stunt. Uh, they're a stunt person. Uh-huh. Uh, they have worked on all of the Star Wars, all of the Marvel. Oh. Um, they work uh, a second job, right? Uh, they work at Disneyland as a costume character, and they have little kids crawling all over them and beating the shit out of them all day long. Ew. And when they get injured uh, for their studio job. Uh, they can't do either job, and they make zero money, and their partner is really pressuring them to leave the industry that they love a lot, that they have mm-hmm. sacrificed for a lot. And they have been uh, out on the street. It's been 100 degrees with the rain recently. It's made to it. To be clear, they're out there on the street picketing. Picketing. Because um, you say on the street, and that sounds like they found another profession. I mean, I have no, no, there's no shade to to that profession either i know it's the world's the oldest profession um let's be clear <laughs> go on but uh anyway uh you know he was telling me you know we had to sell our car uh we're Eesh. we're taking our you know their one of their kids was going to this really awesome private school they can't afford it anymore Ugh, that's why that's why i support the strikes because this is real people's lives right and like it is so disgusting to me how now we have all these content creators. I almost like, I almost kind of respect the content creators are like, fuck the strikes, I'm not paying attention to it, I'm going to do what I do, because at least that's a little bit more honest. Right. If you start off <laughs> saying, I support the strikes, blah, 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 and then you make a, and then a Star Wars show drops, and suddenly you're like, oh, well, I did my research, and, well, we're not going to talk about the show on the podcast, we're going to still do recap shows, because I did my research, and... Reaction reaction shows and recap shows aren't part of the struck content when, in fact, the web page specifically calls that out right on the SAG website. It's it's a liberal interpretation. Uh, it's definitely a letter of the guidelines versus the spirit of the guidelines thing. 
Um, really trying to thread that needle. Uh, really trying to split those hairs and find enough of a space to weasel into so that they can still be making content. Um, and I just don't think it's worth it. I just, I, I, we've talked about this, Chris. Um, here on this show, we would not feel good about any content that we made that in any way didn't support the strikes, that didn't, um, that, that didn't help people get better lives and better pay to, to be able to do the industry that we're consuming and talking about on this show. Like it just, how can you keep talking about it and still like sleep at night? I don't understand. I don't either. But anyway, but that's just me. But anyway, I love talking about the books. So I give a fuck. Uh, We've, uh, we've always been about doing what we want to do and it's a miracle that anybody listens to us. So thanks for the feedback. (laughs) Um, So before we jump into it, Steph, um, I, I, I'll finally talk about it. I know people have been wondering, waiting, holding their breath. I don't have a mustache anymore. <laughs> For our patrons in the live, they're having to get like the full like beacons of Gondor glare effect off of Chris's face <laughs> right now. There's, there's no porn stash in the way to sort of soften <laughs> that glow at all. I hate you. <laughs> You're so handsome, though. <laughs> I think you look great with or without the stash. I, I know. I just I need it. I need it for a costume, so I'm going to regrow it again. Calm down, y'all. But as I've I may have mentioned this in the past, uh, I have literally holes in my walls in my apartment because of water damage, and boy, did the hurricane help with that, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or whatever the fuck it was. Um, uh, so I was told that a inspector was going to be coming to my apartment at some point to check the drywall that they just put in, make sure mm-hmm. it was put in correctly. And uh, I was like, okay, so I decide I'm going to take a shower and shave. I did not know that my partner walked out of the apartment to take a walk. Oh, So I was oh alone. Oh, no. Oh, no. And we have, a, we have a very big rule that he's very obsessed about. Do not wear shoes in the apartment. If you know, uh-huh. Walk in, take off your shoes, barefoot socks, slippers whatever don't track outside germs all over your home i'm in the middle of shaving i have an electric razor in my hand i hear boot steps in my living room (gasps) no and i'm literally like oh shit i don't have my bat what's happening and i do this and i have no and i have half a mustache oh honey oh no see that's my nightmare Oh my god! Every time I take a shower, I've got part of my brain like listening to outside because somebody's going to come back in. Norman Bates me in the shower. Oh, that's awful! Slap your partner for me, but not in a fun way, in a mean way. And the worst, the worst part of it is, Steph. Uh huh. I had to go out and check who the fuck was what, what the fuck was going on, right? With half a mustache, right? So you opened... didn't take the second to shave the rest. No, I was in pa- I was in panic mode, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't completely realize I had shaved half my mustache until I got back and checked the mirror. Oh, honey. I walk in the living room and I see this man. He's six foot five. No! Redhead. Slightly uh, muscular with uh, a nice, like, tummy action going on. Mm. And the hands, like, those could do (laughs) things to me. Okay, so you went from panic mode to. A whole other kind of mode, right? Right. And, with half a mustache, and uh, because a patron just asked, did I, uh, did I, was I wearing pants? No, a towel and a shirt. Nice, dripping wet. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why? So of course I go back in, look at the bathroom after he leaves. 
I go back in, look at you the You had mirror. a whole conversation with this man with half a mustache. Half a mustache. And now I'm completely oh. fucking embarrassed. Oh, honey, no. I'm so sorry your partner did that to you. Yeah. Because that's who's to blame here. Yeah. You know that, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I told him that story last night with my, my boyfriend was in the room, but I was like, I was like looking at Eric and like being like, it's your fault. Like waiting for him to come to realization. Uh-huh. Hadn't, hadn't figured it out yet. That's okay. He didn't figure it out after you explicitly told him with the words, it is your fault. No, I didn't say that. I just, I get, because okay. I'm a Pisces, right? So I'm not going to communicate oh, very well. Right. So I'm going to look at him and I'm going to assume he's reading my mind and my face at that moment. You're adorable. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've already talked in this episode about how men don't fucking get it, even if you say it many times. So. Can't. Can't change my wiring. No, no, you can't. Can't change my programming. You can't. What you need, you need like, like, you remember, you remember uh, when Obama had his his anger translator? Oh, I love that. You need an anger translator. You need somebody standing behind you going, it's your fault, motherfucker. You had to go for a walk while he was in the shower and that's why the mustache is gone. Anyway, I'm regrowing it because obviously I'm going to be sexy Mario for uh, Halloween. Perfection. Oh, do you have a sexy Luigi? Uh, Eric, he's going to play sexy Luigi because he's taller he? than me, and he's like a lot more trim. So, like, I'm the I'm the hotter brother, right? Because Mario's obviously, yeah, obviously. I like. So is he go- the, is he growing a stash too? Uh, he already has like a beard Ooh. stash thing going. So I don't know where we're, I, last year we put a, a not last year, but the year before we put a fake mustache on top of that. Uh huh. Well, I'm going to need pictures because that sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I put a picture of my Mario <laughs> up somewhere. Uh, my Instagram. So, anyway. Yeah, I don't look at that. I know. <laughs> I'm a supportive friend. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. That was all good. Do we want to talk about a book now? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So, listen, y'all. Thank you for hanging out with us for almost 20 minutes on this. Um what we're doing on this podcast uh, is once upon a time, we were watching through the entire Star Wars visual story in chronological order. And apparently there are people out there who wish we still were because fuck ethics. But because we are standing in solidarity with the strikes that are still ongoing, it's been almost 120 days still ongoing um, because we stand in solidarity. We have pivoted our content and we are now talking about a book, a Star Wars book, Light of the Jedi, the first of the High Republic novels. Uh, specifically, we're talking about chapters 24 through 29 today. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Uh, cool. They are some of the longest chapters in the book. I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm the one who decided where we would be stopping today. Anyway, do you have an intro, Christopher? <clears throat> hyperspace shutdown the Ooh. chancellor of the republic has closed all hyperspace lanes to the outer rim while members of the jedi order investigate the cause of the hyperspace disaster meanwhile a group of jedi are answering the call of family being attacked by the nihil in Ilfrona. and finally the eye of the nihil is being all sexy in his ship the gaze electric how much shit happens in this book anyway <laughs> All of it. i know it's almost it's almost like it's a novel not a show right yeah yeah <laughs> we can't just there's a lot going on okay <clears throat> so uh i can't even say when last we left our heroes because you know not everybody we're talking about is a hero case in point <laughs> chapter 24 hyperspace 
the gaze electric. Now, it's G-A-Z-E, gaze. This is the name of Marcion Rowe's fantastic fucking ship. But every time I hear it, I hear G-A-Y-S. Oh, me too. Yeah. And so that's a very different aesthetic. Mm-hmm. The gaze electric is different from the gaze electric. You know, like yeah. there's there's a different lighting scheme <laughs> depending on which spelling we're using. There's a different soundtrack. Look, I think Marcian's clear coded, but I also think he's a hot topic gay. So, you know, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're 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 gonna have disco lights here and there, but it's mostly like uh, fishnet fishnet black i black mascara the whole thing you know yeah i th- i feel like it's very much like numbers did you ever you weren't a houston gay no um, yeah i'm sorry <clears throat> so when i was when i was back in the day kids uh when i was a, a little goth teenager there was a club in houston called numbers and by numbers i mean it was just a hashtag and an s like we call it a hashtag now back in the day it was a pound sign and that sign meant number like that was that was a symbol for the word number. My, how the times have changed. Because if you saw that sign now, you'd be like, hashtags? What's that about? Hashtag oh, wow. S? What does that even mean? I know. Um, but that was the goth club. And it let teenagers in. And they were <laughs> they were supposed to be monitoring who was getting booze and who wasn't. Yeah. But it's really dark and really easy to wash off the blacklight stamps that they put on you if you wander in there and you were underage. So... Just saying. But anyway, so yeah, golf club numbers. That's So that's what I'm picturing in my head mm-hmm. when we talk about the gaze electric. There's just a lot of darkness, a lot of typo negative, a lot of doof, 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 and, uh, and strobe lights going right. on. And just, he doesn't mention them, but I know they're there. There's just disaffected youth lounging in all the corners <laughs> with a lot of eyeliner and um, trying really hard to not look like they're enjoying themselves. Right, so, right. Yeah. That's, that's what's how, going on in the gaze electric. That's how I imagine what the crew, that's the crew uniform, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Just a lot of pleather and eyeliner. <laughs> Black lipstick optional, but strongly encouraged. And Marshan seems like the kind of guy that would critique people's outfits. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah. he would. Because he's like that. Okay, so do you have any details you want to talk about on the Gaze Electric, or shall we just get into it? I would love to talk to you about the Gaze Electric, including its origin story, what it's capable of, but I cannot. Because that that comes up later. Okay, so it's a spoiler thing. It's a spoiler thing. Okay, so Martian is hanging out on his ship. His ship is bouncing all over bizarro hyperspace lanes. (laughs) Like, they're jumping, they're jumping, they're all over the place, they're bouncing. Clearly, we're in the paths right now. I'm guessing. Um, and it's all because of Mari Santeca. Wait a minute. That name sounds familiar to me. It should because it came up in, well, the Santeca part of her name came up in the chapter right before this, where the Santecas were like, could it be her? It could not be her, for she is ancient. Blah, 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 blah. Well, look, it's her. Yeah. There's her. She's right there. And she's apparently the one piloting the ship in yeah. like this weird fugue state. In a tube, she well yeah she's like in a pod because mm-hmm. she it's like a it's a medical pod. She's the Navi computer. She's the brain of this ship. Okay, and so Martian is watching her do this, and he's just sort of like, oh my god, okay, any day now you got to stop. But he's thinking because <laughs> we're in Martian's head now. Oh yeah, which is which a nice is, place to be. 
Is it nice? No, it's Is it terrible. nice? No, no, no. It's definitely an after hours goth club in here. So, but he's thinking, <clears throat> quote, no other being seemed to be able to do what she can do. And no Navidroid came close. Droid brains could chart routes already along established paths. But what Mari did was nothing like that. Mari found the roads between the roads via some mix of instinct and unconscious mathematical analysis that operated on a level that she couldn't explain. And then we find out that Mari Santeco was a hyperspace prospector with her family way back in the day. And then... Something happened mm-hmm. that changed how her mind worked. Okay, so is she, is this, is she the root of all the Nihil Tech bullshit? Correct. All right, well, there we go. That is one mystery kind of solved. Now, uh, one of our patrons uh, just called it out. I'm going to call it out because I know Steph loves it when I do. Uh, <clears throat> once again, the Dune influences of Star Wars uh, rears its <laughs> ugly head. Because yeah. you had a book full of people that would take a bunch of drugs and go, oh, my God, I can see space and fold it, and I know exactly how to navigate in hyperspace. That's right. what this is exactly uh, replicating. Uh, uh, so I have a funny story. Um, the very first time I was listening to this on audio, um, I had a – I think I can't remember if it was my nephew or second cousin or whoever. Somebody was in the car with me, and I was driving them somewhere, and uh, – uh, Mark Thompson says Mari Santeca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kid, kid looks at me and goes, did they say Mari Sanfeca or Mari Sanfeca? And it, <laughs> and I I don't know why, just the innocence of saying something like that and the pronunciation <laughs> of it laughs my ass off. So I can't hear right. I can't hear Mari's name, full name without that moment. So I have to shut that out. <laughs> Kids are so- awesome. and i love that he's comfortable enough to say fuck in front of an adult i don't know why Mm. it's not my fault yeah we cuss like fucking truck i know i yeah yeah (laughs) it's my fault (laughs) okay okay so marcian is contemplating that when mari sanfaka dies because she's already well over 100 years old the paths were gonna die with her along with all of his power over the nihil oh because she's where the paths come from. Cool. So he's like, Mari, I need to talk to you. Quit hyper jumping. She doesn't respond. So he electrocutes her until she has a seizure. Yeah. Okay, then. Totally normal. Hey, did you know, did you know Marcian Rose, our villain? Uh, we do now. <laughs> oh, goddamn. Anyway. She comes out of her seizure, sees Martian sort of looming over her med pod that she apparently exists completely in. She smiles and tells him that she found a new hyperspace space lane that he's going to use. And won't that be amazing? He'll make a lot of money on that. Anyway, Martian, how's your big fancy plan going? And Martian reflects that he has told this woman things that he has told nobody else and he tells himself that it's because he needs her expertise yeah. and not because he has no one else to tell. He's lonely. So ding on the Martian Row, toxic romance, not the trope. <laughs> He's a lonely monster. Yeah. The lonely monster is absolutely a trope in toxic in dark romance. Absolutely. And, and if only somebody can, can uh, if only he can meet the right person, i.e. Right. me, and I can change him. Absolutely. You would show him that he does not need to be alone. And and then maybe he could stop electrocuting very old women just because they don't answer him when he talks. 
I can change him. <laughs> you actually can. You absolutely can. But that is absolutely the heart of that trope is to hook you into to that you could that the power of your love and your vagine will convince this man to stop being lonely and also then stop being a monster. But there is a little something about the monster that you like. So maybe we don't completely eradicate the monster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we keep the monster around a little bit, you know, just for sometimes, just for night times, you know? He can so. be a monster on my ass. How about that? There you go. Yeah. So Monster Martian uh, tries to persuade Mari to do some kind of work. He needs her to do something. And she's like, I am super tired. Your dad would never work me this hard. And Martian right then is tempted to just fucking kill her for saying that. He has, I think he has issues about his dad. So another ding on the Martian Road toxic romance <laughs> novel trope. Hyperviolent response to deep-seated daddy issues. <coughs> yeah. So I, he's a total package, y'all. He's a total oh package. He's also really young. Like he's yeah. re- he's acting. He, this is a very immature villain who has whole kinds of emotional issues and stuff like that. Right. I know we're like, but Anakin Skywalker was that way too. Yeah, that turned out great. Uh, Didn't so, it? <laughs> uh, it and I and this is one of the interesting things about the character is that he's kind of starting to become a supervillain, but he's not quite there yet. Um, he's still very much in the weeds of like recovering from becoming a teenager and dealing with all that puberty bullshit. So yeah, like he's barely an adult. Barely, yeah. Like he's got to be in his twenties mm-hmm. or whatever the equivalent of twenties is for his species. Yeah, his uh, his species is fucking crazy too. Uh, but um, but Shh, I don't know anything about it. Shh. No, I know, I know, we'll but learn, I love we'll it. Learn. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so no, Martian's definitely like he has issues. He has lots of issues. And I love yeah. that. And I can change him. Yeah, exactly. And that's really interesting to 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 give us a villain not in his full power yet, mm-hmm. because we're still at the very beginning of the series, right? Um, but all of our heroes are very much powerful. Yeah. Like we've got the Avar Chris's, the Loden Great Storms, you <sighs> know, the, the Chancellor Lena So. The hotness. Um, right. Which means that in order for this villain to be balanced, he's got to have this cadre of other villains around him. So that's why he still needs the Nihil. But that also implies that there's going to be an evolution where he, as he grows in his power, sheds the trappings of his youth, i.e. the Nihil. Uh, and also those who, the heroes that are already powerful will start shedding some of their level of power so that that equals out. And then we have a protagonist and villain equally matched, which means that we're going to lose heroes and we're going to gain villain. Yay. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Can't sure nobody is going to be nobody that you're going to care about a lot. Um, certainly that nobody lose. that this this author has already masterfully manipulated me into adoring with my entire soul. Yeah. So. Yay, High Republic. <sighs> okay. So, um, <clears throat> Martian is like, Mari, focus, focus, hi. Okay. Here's the data from the Legacy Run incident. I don't know how he got it. We're going to, he's got spies. In the Republic, apparently. Um, he's like, you see all of this? You see all this crazy data that nobody else in the in the entire galaxy is able to analyze? Can you look at all of this and find the flight recorder from that ship? Because the Republic is looking for it. Right. And do you think the Republic could possibly track it with this Frankenstein droid supercomputer I hear they're building? So wow, is he connected? Yeah, he has sources where he's getting information. That's really interesting. I can't wait to find out who the fuck is doing that. <sighs> I'm already mad at them, and I don't even know who it is yet. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway, Mari's like, yeah, I can totally find it. I can find every single piece of that ship, you silly goose. But I'm like super tired right now. Martian makes both his will save not to murder her and his persuasion check to convince her to getting to work. She does get to work. And it says in my notes, this is elder abuse, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Completely. A hundred percent. So he, she gets to work. She likes completely zones out and starts to hyper focus on the whole thing. She's analyzing the fuck out of it. Good for her. He calls up all the Tempest runners. You remember Pan Ada, um, Lorna D, and um, that guy Kasav or Kasav, whatever. Kasav, yeah. Uh, calls all of them and is like, "Hey, you remember that really big plan that I mentioned? It's on. I can give you the locations of the emergences before they happen, because that's what Mari's looking up now." Yeah. That's what this crazy old woman in a tube is going to do. She's going to be able to do what Kevin Tarr is trying to do with 100,000 droids. Right. She can just do in her head. Okay. But he doesn't tell them all that. They don't know the source <laughs> of all of this information. But he's like, I can give you the locations of all the emergences before they happen. You can show up after and loot and pillage. You can show up before and blackmail the systems. I don't care. Just do not use the paths to do it. We cannot let any of this be traced back to us. Cool. And everyone's on board. Cool. Oh, good. The bad guys are mobilizing. Yay. Um, awesome. th- this was where there was my favorite line where Kasif was all, oh, Martian's afraid of the big bad Jedi. <laughs> and Martian's all, I'm not afraid of the Jedi. However, I'm also not an idiot. right you don't have to be scared of the jedi you just need to not ever cross paths with them if you can help it and uh uh, and the book does mention martian's family has a history with the jedi hmm Hmm. wonder what's up with that i don't know keep reading dear yeah and find out okay chapter 25 elfrona so we're back on elfrona oh shit what no, I'm I'm going oh shit to Elfrona. Oh, uh, real quick, I I one thing I do want to point out about the gaze electric real quick. The description the gaze the, electric. The, the, electric. the the description of the bridge I absolutely mm-hmm. fucking love. They talk about how they took a tree right. from Kashyyyk, and we I did a bunch of research on this. Um, uh, nature is obviously very sacred to the Wookies, right? So for somebody to have gone down and taken a tree. And refashion it into a bridge of a ship. That's yeah. like sacrilege. That that is uh-huh. the most disrespectful, uh-huh. evil thing you can do to the Wookies, besides like dishonor them. And and oh, and that is dishonor in in and oh, of yeah. itself. Deeply. Uh, the audacity uh-huh. of it all. This is the a cl- the casual colonizer appropriation. Like imagine how many Wookies they had to slaughter, right, to take that tree. And that's what I was going to say. This is a colonizer ship. This is a ship oh, yeah. that's designed to take uh, and to steal without regard for anything else. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Martian, I could change golf. you. Let me, you and me and the gays there's electric together. No changing him. No. He's, he's not. evil. <laughs> not even like a going to be turned evil. He's just already there. Yeah. He's just, he's just a baby evil. He's right percolating. He's getting there. Okay, anyway, so chapter 25, Elfrona. Uh, my pretend Jedi family are taking an emergency road trip to go save the family that's been abducted by the Nihil. Uh, and they are in a vanguard. Yeah. Steph, would you like to know about the vanguard? I would love to know about the vanguard. Yeah, so just like the the, the Jedi uh, fighters that they have in High Republic, that is all 
you know, you have to use the force to wield it, to move it around. Vanguard is basically exactly the same. In fact, the entire ship's designed so that a force user, if they need be, like, for example, if a hatch gets stuck, force user can easily use the force to open it. Uh, they use the force to drive it. Um, it has capabilities where it can, it's basically multi-terrain, which they need on Elfrona because the terrain on Elfrona is fucking crazy. There's magnetic fields so that ships can't just, like, fly over the, the ground. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, so the Jedi have to go by by Vanguard. Hey, hey. Right. Um, and it's it's really it's a really cool-looking ship. They basically match the same design as the uh, the uh, Jedi fighters that they have during this time. The Vectors, yeah. The Vectors. Uh, in fact, you notice it all starts with a V? Vectors, yeah. Vanguards. In a second, we'll see the Veil. The yeah. Veil. I love that. Uh-huh. The V, V, V. Mm-hmm. Branding. Yeah. Vertical integration, Lemon. <laughs> so yeah that's also the starts with a v yeah yeah uh so the the vanguard's really cool uh and so it's you know it's this land speeder they're going along uh indira is driving um by the way real quick we forgot to mention this last time indira uh who is you know the lady jedi that's with them she's a thelothian mm. uh as in Adigalia, for for reference, right? Uh, they're 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 lovely. They're stately. They have instead of hair, they've kind of got like tendrils. It's really cool. Um, anyway, she and Loden are driving, and through the windshield they spot smoke in the distance. And Indira's like, "Okay, Loden, take the wheel. I'm gonna go pop in a veil, and go scout ahead." Cool. Bell's watching all of this go down, and he looks over at Porter Engel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so I'm just gonna read this. Yeah. Okay. I Quote, knew you would. <laughs> Outwardly, the Akruki, because that's Port Angle, Porter Angle is an Akruki. Outwardly, the Akruki was calm, but Bell sensed roiling energy in the man. Porter Angle, the kindly cook, inventor of ingenious dishes and dispenser of useful aphorisms, was being set aside. What was appearing in his place felt like a dormant volcano beginning to wake, simmering and ready, f- filled with unimaginable power. The ancient Jedi was summoning up a ghost, one of his former lives, a version of himself the Padawans told stories about, someone the sort of people who attacked defenseless settler families should pray they never met. (laughs) (laughs) My prostate's all tickled right now. Swoon. But Bell isn't us, so he's looking at him and he's like, maybe I do not want to meet this ghost. Um, uh, no, you do not, sir. No, you do not. He's terrifying. Yeah. He, Porter yeah. Engel uh, had retired from being this guy, but he's pulling this guy up so that he can, because shit's in danger right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, foreshadowing. They arrive at the Blythe homestead. It's burning. Oops. It's burning. Loden asks Bell to check to see if he senses any survivors. No, he doesn't. But they got to hop out and check for bodies. Evidence. Clues. Yeah. It's a crime scene. Yeah. All of that shit. So they find this homestead is fucking wrecked. There are destroyed uh, droids and the speeder, bodies of Nihil. They definitely know this is the Nihil. Um, and the family is gone. They've got a pen full of steelies who are all scared and running around until Porter like does his force thing and calms them. Um, so real quick about the steelies because they're going to be important here in a minute. Okay. okay? All right. So steelies are um, quadrupedal riding mounts that are native to Elfrona. Um, and they have lovely silvery skin and um, their hooves are made of a duralloy just naturally. And they so are cool. able to... Uh, they're able to activate an organometric, uh, sorry, an organic, organomagnetic field. 
because they climb super steep steep cliffs and stuff, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they just magnetically seal their metal feet to the metal ground on Elfrona, which is, is really so cool. fucking cool. Right. Um, I've I've seen the official art of the Steelies. Um, do you have you ever seen an Okapi? No, I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. Okay, Google it later. Um, but it's it's an animal I believe is native to the African continent. Okay. Um, but Steelies look like if you took an okapi, made it bigger, and turned all of its fur to a silvery sheen. Oh, cool. Yeah, they look they're really cool. Um, they have like they're almost like a like a half a giraffe. Right. Kind of a thing. They got it. They got a giraffe look about it. They're really fucking cool. The Steelies look awesome. I know. Um, so. In the yeah. special edition of the of the book, there is a badass picture of the Jedi riding Steelies and yeah. heading towards the Night Hill. That's you know, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. I know what they look like, but I didn't yeah. know. You've informed me so much over the years, Steph. I I watch too much Animal Planet instead of going to class. <laughs> so. it's, it's true, y'all. It's true. Yeah. Okay, so um, Porter uh, just uses the Force, calms the Steelies down, and they're like, "Porter's our best friend," and. Uh, Porter looks at the ground and he pulls an Aragorn, like, uh, two hobbits lay here yeah. at that moment. <laughs> he sees the entire situation in the tracks and sees that a family of four was taken. Uh, the Nihil stole some other Steelies because their speeder got fucking wrecked. Uh, and that two of the people that were taken are children. And, and the Porter angle of it all intensifies. Yeah. Because children are in danger. Awesome. Bell is looking around. He finds a mark on the front door. He describes it as three jagged lines zigzagging from top to bottom. The edges were ragged, savage, as if carved by a vibroblade running low on charge. Well, where have we seen a mark like that before? Uh, in no space, maybe? Uh, on, mm-hmm. Or maybe on the side of those Nighthill ships? It's the Nighthill yeah. symbol. Yeah, they fucking, they're, they're not subtle creatures, the Nighthill. Yeah, uh, and I was surprised by this because this is Lorna D's Tempest that that right. did this. Right. Uh, there should be a lot more subtle, unless of course they were uh, uh, planning on inflicting more damage in the area. Which, oh by the way, so Bell is staring at the symbol, and mm-hmm. um, oh, I forgot her name now. Ember. Ember. Thank you. Um, Ember. Ember is like Bell. What the fuck? Something's happening. By which he means she barks. She barks. Yeah. She doesn't talk. In, look, animals to be talk. Clear. Animals talk. Animals she talk. barks. Okay. Yeah. It is entirely within the realm of Star Wars possibility that this animal would be able to speak. She does not. She just barks. That's that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, Belle realizes something fucked up is happening, turns around, and there is a something in the ground tunneling towards him, and he can uh-huh. see like the little hill and everything. It's a mole mine. Uh-huh. Steph, would you like to know about mole mines? Sure. Yeah, they're one of Lorna D's favorite weapons because she has a <laughs> leave no evidence policy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, they, uh, they basically they're massive uh, uh, explosion droids that go under the ground. Uh, when they ignite, they pop up out of the ground a meter mm-hmm. up above and explode because that's how you can get the maximum amount of damage inflicted upon the area. Yeah. yeah. And ding on the Nihil Tech bullshit counter. There you go. Yeah, Charles Soule definitely saw that movie Screamers back in 1995. Oh, yeah. You remember Screamers? Mm-hmm. Peter Weller? Yeah. And the le- the less impressive movie series Tremors? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Screamers was, was about robots under the ground that like tunnel at you and kill you. So it's a whole thing. It was awesome. Anyway, yeah. Bell does his Jedi thing. He jumps up. He uses the force to throw one mine. He slices another one. Loden's doing pretty much the same thing, but on a cooler scale because he's Loden. He's Loden. But oh my God, Porter Angle. 
They look over at him and he's just, he hasn't even bothered to jump off the ground. He's got his lightsaber drawn, which Bell realized he's never seen him draw before. Mm-hmm. And he's just neatly slicing through every single mine, just in half as it pops out of the ground. It's not, he's like not even breaking a sweat. Well, it's, he's just completely, go ahead. It's like breathing, right? Yeah. It's totally easy for him. Now, here's, here's the thing. I gotta read this quote. Both Bell and Loden were transfixed. They were both good swordsmen and Loden had some claim at being great, but this was like nothing they had ever seen. Not at the Jedi temple, not from Master Yoda, but Bell couldn't imagine what it would be like to face Porter Engel in combat. Uh, don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, wow. Competency boner for Porter Engel. And not just me. Bell and Loden, too. Holy shit. They had no idea he could do this. They just... What? They're watching a legend come to life right in front of them. And so they're so distracted by it that they miss one of the mines. Damn it. Pops up in the middle of their vanguard and blows it the fuck up. Awesome. Awesome. Oops. How the fuck are we going to catch the Nihil now? Well, there's a bunch of steelies in a pen right over there. So let's do it. Yeah. Porter Angle's like, I will saddle them up. You guys have a force chat with them. Let them know that uh, we're going to ride them and explain to them how important this is, that we need to go rescue their family. And Bell's like, okay, how do I, what? <laughs> yeah. So literally I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this out loud in my kitchen, getting stuff ready for dinner. And my partner's like, wait, who are they? Do, who do they need to talk to? Who do they need to? The horses. The, I was like, yeah, the horses. And yeah. Eric was like, why? I'm like, they're Jedi. Yeah. They're living beings. They're going to treat they them the same. They get consent. Yeah, they get yeah. consent. Yeah. And he's like, that's so fucking weird. But I'm like, that's the Jedi way. That Or yeah. that should be the Jedi way. All life is sacred. If mm-hmm. uh, if you write, uh, I want a Jedi to ask me uh, to <laughs> ride me. To explain to you very carefully, like how important it is that y'all bone. Yeah, and yeah. I would like that. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. No, I feel it. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, what I'm saying is Porter Engel, marry me. <laughs> yeah. Please. So um, they need to move fast because the Nihil are definitely going to try and take this family off world because they can't, they couldn't, have, if they could have, they would have landed their ship right in the family's right. front yard, but they didn't. They've got to go to wherever the ship is parked. So we need to move fast. Loden's like, cool. Hey, Bell, will you help me real quick? And they use the force to rip something out of the wreckage of the Vanguard. Yeah. Unclear. It is described as basically like a big tube with some wires. And I'm thinking, did he just grab a gun? Did he just pull a cannon out of this vehicle? That's what it sounds like to me, but I'm not sure. Right. But based on the way he looks at Bell and just grins and goes, just in case. Yeah, he totally just ripped the cannon out of that van. <laughs> He's like, might as well have a big gun. Okay, so they get mounted up. Loden asks Bell to tell them what direction to go because he is still training his Padawan even in the middle of this. Yep. So, but Bell casts out his senses. He finds a knot of rage and pain and fear. And he's like, that way. And they're off. Cool. Chapter 26, Salvation Class Republic Medical Frigate, the Panacea. Ugh. Do you have any details on the the great works of Chancellor So in building a Republic medical frigate? Uh, no, I don't. Unfortunately, I, it struck me as basically she built these as like like Red Cross hospital ships that we have here in the real world. Right, um, they're to be sent to disaster areas. They're relief ships. Like if something fucking awful happens on your planet, the Republic will send the medical frigate to help tend to all of your hurt and wounded and anybody who needs therapy. After, because in the High Republic era, 
We give therapy to traumatized people. And so what happened? Did that, did Chancellor Valerian cut, make budget cuts and cut that out yeah, first? Of course he did, because Chancellor Valorum wasn't super competent, but, um, which is how he was able to be completely undermined and overthrown by Palpatine. <laughs> we will see in this chapter, there are, there's a whole class of droids that are therapy droids. I want one. They're for, they're for therapy, right? I could really have used a therapy droid this week. And like every week for always. Please just make soothing noises at me and project soothing colors. That's really all I need. Anyway, um, we are in this chapter inside the wonderful mind of Buryaga Agaburi, the Wookiee Jedi, Padawan. Oh, I love him. His first line in this chapter is, I am uncomfortable with this, Master. We were just doing our job. I'm introducing a new counter to the show. Oh, no. The Bura... <laughs> Sorry. Try again. The Buryaga Agaburi Relatable Awkwardness Counter. <laughs> because I feel this, okay? He and his master, Nib Asik. Asik? Asik. I don't want to yeah. call her Asik because I love her. Uh, but again, it's a name that you just read off the page, so you don't really know how to make it come out of your mouth. Nib Asik. Let's go with that. I need to uh, I need to call out to everybody. Steph has not read all the High Republic books. So the fact no. that she is able to read into the characters so easily, so quickly, goes to show you how well written these books are. And also that I'm really smart and pretty. Oh, and you're smart and pretty. Okay. And both um, are equally important, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, Jedi Master Nib Asik is an adorable to me. I would never call her this to her face. No. She's a little old human lady mm-hmm. who learned the Wookiee language Shirwook just so she could take on Buryaga as a Padawan. So I instantly love her. Mm-hmm. I love them both. We've met them before, so they're not new characters, but this is the first time we're in Buryaga's mind. Um, I really hope he survives this chapter. He probably will. They're on a medical frigate. What could go wrong? Yeah, no. Other than all of these, are always safe in Star Wars. All of these emergences coming out of space. I absolutely spent the first time I was going through this book. Absolutely spent the whole chapter expecting a burning piece of wreckage to appear and destroy the ship. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Spoiler alert: that doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> Not this time. No. Uh, anyway, so um, they're at like a party, kind of. Yeah. More like, more like. I mean, it's a party the same way that like the food after a funeral is a party. Right? Right. Like, it's it's a party. It's for everybody to get together and, like, affirm, hey, we, we all survived. We're all alive. Um, but also, this is really sad and traumatic and everything is very heavy. Yeah, it's a, it's a trauma party. I mean, right. Like, you know, I've, I've, my family's done this many, many times. Uh, when we yeah. have somebody close to us or a member of the family pass away, we get together and we get drunk and we party. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some cultures would call that a wake. <laughs> you know? It's the pre-wake. The wake has... <laughs> it's like pre-gaming the wake. Yeah, it's a pre-game wake, yeah. So, um, basically, it's all the survivors from the Legacy Run. Specifically, also, the people who were in the pod that the Jedi almost shot down until Buryaga sensed that there were people inside. That pod? Yeah. They're all here because... And, and it's... Buryaga's uncomfortable with it because he's like, Oh, we're just Jedi, okay? Do not throw us a party to thank us for being Jedi. We're literally just doing our jobs. Uh, so he's super uncomfortable with that and also with the attention and relatable. But this gathering, as his master explains to him, is for the survivors to, to have some closure and to be able to meet the people who saved them. Right. So... 
But again, he's super uncomfortable with it. It's a whole thing. Um, so Master Nib, uh, <laughs> uh, she goes in and starts talking to people and she gives Buriaga a signal to tell him to go mingle and make small talk. Um, but that signal that is like a private signal between them, and it translates as advance into battle <laughs> because she knows how uncomfortable he is with this. Aww. And it literally says in the book, Buriaga sighed and stepped forward. So another ding on the Buriaga Agaburi relatable awkwardness counter. <laughs> Why are you personally attacking me right now, Star Wars? Right? And it's so extra awkward for him because he's a Wookiee. He's physically incapable of speaking any other language but Shrewook. Nobody here but his master speaks his language. So none of these people are going to be able to understand him. And he understands them fine, but they're not going to be able to understand him. And there's no translator droids on this medical frigate for some fucking reason. I guess therapy droids don't translate. I would think you would fucking need translator droids. I would think so, too. Because, like, the Wookiee might need to be able to tell you where it hurts. Right. You know? That just seems like a, a dramatic oversight. Yeah. Not having trans... But whatever. It's so that it's so that Buryaga can be made awkward in this scene, I guess. He walks up to a group of people, says hi in Shrewook. They just blink at him. It's awkward oh and uncomfortable. Oh, my God. And he, it's just a lot of blank looks and, and shuffling feet until Joss Adrin and his lovely wife, Pika, the pilots from when they rescued that pod. I love them. They wander up, and these fucking natural extroverts are so relaxed and so calm and so enjoying talking to all these people. God, extroverts are aliens. Right? I don't look. God bless extroverts. Otherwise, I would stay in my hamster ball always and forever. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't understand. How you do that? How how do you do that? How do you just walk up to people and have a conversation? How... I don't understand. Now, I have I've, friends who... I just, uh, go on. Now, uh, thanks to the power of therapy, I have developed a process that I follow at all times when I need to play play pretend as an Cosplay extrovert. Cosplay as an extrovert? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But girl, when I am done, like if I'm at a party and I'm doing that for three hours, I literally... So tired. I literally go home and pass out, whereas my other ex- my extrovert friends that I cling to, by the way, as part of the oh, yeah. part of the process... They're like, let's do the after party and let's go to the after after party. And it's like, no, I'm done. I'm spent. No, no. mama's tired. Gotta go. And not to, not to, not to, you know, uh, make myself sound awesome. I can go longer doing other activities. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Socializing, though, not so much. No, no. God, small talk kills me. It whittles away at my soul. I can't do it. (sighs) I mean, I can if I need to, but fuck, it's exhausting. Anyway. So, yeah, Joss Adrian just straight up tells these people, hey, you would all be dead if this Wookiee right here hadn't sensed that you were in the pot. We were going to blow you up. And his wife is like, honey, you could have found a nicer way to say that. (laughs) And Buriaga, bless him, he looks at them and it says, the three survivors were staring at Buriaga. He felt hot and wanted to start panting, but he knew that some people saw that as a threatening move, but he was a Wookiee, and of course his teeth were sharp, and, 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 ding, again, Buriaga Agaburi relatable awkwardness counter. <laughs> his social, his, like, internal social panic is, oh, I feel you in my soul, you beautiful, beautiful beast. I love him so much. Great. Anyway, he's like, I need to flee this conversation. And he he pulls a Stephanie and goes to the buffet. (laughs) And he's like, if my mouth is full of cheese, nobody will expect me to talk to them. And yeah, 
<laughs> Absolutely. I will do that. If you guys ever have an occasion to see me at a social function, if I've got a plate full of snacks and I am munching like there's no tomorrow, it's because I'm done talking to people. And I want a visual cue for don't do that. Leave Let's talk alone. about, can we talk about this buffet though? Because Oh, God bless. Yeah. Because as Buriaga points out, there's no protein on the fucking table. Like what? Right. Who doesn't at least have a charcuterie plate with some like salami roses or something? What Southern California bullshit is this? Right. It's all like fruit and cheese and crackers. Like, God damn it. I'm like, give there's me definitely my, hummus. I need salami. Oh, there's multiple hummus. But I yeah, need, there's I need like a, some... a hummus flight. <laughs> <laughs> I need a shrimp cocktail. I need salami. I need like. I need the entire salami rose. I'll cram the whole thing in my mouth. Oh, that's Fuck. not where I thought you were going. Okay. Hey. Hey. Anyway, anyway. Fuck. So, Buriaga is like, screw you and your guacamole, this fucking buffet. <laughs> but he looks around and he sees, because he kind of senses a disturbance, right? And he sees a little boy standing off to the side of this whole gathering, right? And there's a therapy droid sort of hovering near the boy to like projecting soothing lights and sounds and stuff. The boy's completely ignoring him. And Buriaga senses a great deal of sadness in the oh. boy, but also crushing guilt. And he's like, what in the world would a child have to be guilty about right now? So he puts down his plate of cheese and crackers and goes to introduce himself to the boy. Now, of course, they don't speak the same language, but certain gestures are universal. Right. And it's Serge. Ah. You remember Serge? The, the guy, the one who was like slicing hollow porn back on the Legacy Run, that kid? He's alive. He lived. Amazing. I'm sure, of- I'm sure he and his whole family are fine. They're just fine. One of Captain Cassett's last thoughts was hoping that he made it. Yeah. And he did. Because she saved him. Yeah. Hero. Even though it ended up killing more people. Whatever. 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 Anyway. So Buriaga gestures at this crowd of people. Clearly he's asking Serge, like, where are your grownups? Do you have family here? And Serge just looks so sad. Oh, no. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this and we're all going to try and hold it together. Okay? Why? (laughs) Because the first time I heard this in the audiobook, I broke down crying. Okay. 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 Because fucking, fucking Mark Thompson. Anyway, quote, Buriaga reached out and folded the boy up in an embrace. He couldn't understand why anyone hadn't already done this. When someone was hurting, you did what you could to heal them. When someone was lost, you found them. And I just, I think that we could all use a Wookiee hug. I want a Bariaga Wookiee hug, too. Oh, my God. And he's like, he hugs this kid, and he uses the force to kind of soothe him as best he can, and not take his pain away, but sort of help him shoulder the burden of whatever it is that he's feeling so guilty about. And I just, I thought I loved Bariaga before. I was wrong. I was, I love him now (laughs) so much. And Serge is unable to withstand the onslaught of all of this compassion and understanding uh, that Buriaga is is offering to him. And he confesses that the entire Legacy Run disaster is his fault. Wait, what? His yeah. fault? Yeah. Serge was in a different pod than what his family was in. And he was slicing into the bridge systems on the Legacy Run as a prank. He was going to get one of the hollow vids that Captain Cassidy had told him to stop trying to fucking get into and project it onto the screens of the bridge. Just like a ha ha, I did it. You know, like you do. But then 
when he hacked into, he, sli- he sliced into the, the bridge systems, he saw something fucking scary and then everything fell apart. And then the alarms went off and his parents were in another pod when, than he was when everything locked down and he doesn't know where they are because their pod hasn't been found yet. Wow. And Serge just breaks down sobbing in Buriaga's arms and Buriaga just holds him and Again, could I just oh, Wookie hug, please? <laughs> just a Wookie hug. I'm gonna go get a hug from my husband, who is very much like a Wookie. So that's but what I'm gonna do today. He's about as tall. <laughs> yep. Um, so Serge eventually calms down a bit. Buryaga takes Serge over to his master, and she's so fucking kind uh, that Serge ends up telling her everything and tells her what it was that he saw that was so scary. When he sliced into the bridge systems, he described it as lightning. It looked like three strikes of lightning. Oh, shit. It was a Nihil ship. It was probably the Gaze Electric. Oops. <laughs> it might have been like Mari Santeca doing her fucking random jumping around thing just popped into the hyperspace lane. I mean, I'm, I'm con- it's in- entirely conjecture. We don't right. know. We don't but know. it was definitely a Nihil ship using the paths that almost collided with the Legacy Run and caused the entire thing. And so we're left to wonder, was it intentional? Mm. Or was this just a freak accident? An inevitable freak accident given what it is that the Nihil do. Right. And and given the increase of traffic out to the outer rim through the hyperspace lines. But I don't we don't know yet. And I don't know if we ever will, but you know, read on. We'll see <laughs> it, it um yeah, read on. Uh your your answer uh, your questions will be answered. Hooray. Yay. Hooray. Thank you for not spoiling. Appreciate it. The Nihil go to Camino. <laughs> they go to Camino. You're such a good friend, Christopher. I know. If only, smiling. if only all of her friends could uh, be as awesome. Okay. Anyway. So, <laughs> chapter twenty-seven, Elfrona. The entire Blythe family is shackled in the back of a repulsor cart that's being pulled by their own stolen steelies. Oh, so that's fun. Uh, Erica, again, normal name. You know what? I'm calling her Erika. Just. To <laughs> <laughs> Arika uh, reassures her kids that everything's going to be fine, uh, even though their father is unconscious in the back of this cart with them. Uh, one of the Nihil who's guarding them in the cart mocks her for reassuring the children. Uh, that is a female Trandoshan, as best they can tell. She's wearing a mask. It's really weird. Luckily for everyone involved but the Nihil, the Nihil are really shitty riders. Oh, yeah. Like, there's not a lot of steely back riding lessons in no space. Uh, you know... Enough. I don't think a lot of people in the galaxy in general know how to ride animals like that. Right. This is very much a Wild West thing. Right. Um, so the Steelies are not going as fast as they could. They're going, but it's like under protest. They don't fucking like their riders. So right. they're not not really moving, which is good. While they're going along, Ron, no, no. <laughs> because, because Ron is a really normal name and that freaks me out that it exists in Star Wars too. But anyway, Ron notices something following them and Erica looks and it is a cloud of dust full of the little telltale sparks of steely hooves striking on metal stone. Huh. Erica's like, oh shit, can it be that Ogden's Hope finally grew the balls to come and help us? Don't know. She tries really hard not to draw the Nihil attention to it, but oops, they notice. While the Nihil are distracted, freaking out about the fact that they're being followed, Oto, who was not knocked out, he is conscious in the in the cart with him. He makes a clicking sound, a signal to the Steelies. And the Steelies obey instantly, and they lock their magnetic hooves to the ground. 
and physics being physics, when the Steelies stop, the Nihil don't. Oops. And they all go flying. The Trandoshan who was guarding them fucking dies. Yeah, the, she cracks that, her head. The, yeah, the description <laughs> of the crunching sound that they make ooh. as they land was, ooh, was that terrible. Was a lot. Yeah, even Erica was like, that was awful. That's, uh, sorry, Erika. I have to uh, say something real quick. Um, in, sure. In, uh, because we're recording this live, and our oh. patrons are able to watch it live, by the way. If you want to join our Patreon, you can do that. <laughs> uh, one of our, uh, one of our um, uh, patrons said, uh, regarding normal Star Wars names, we really did start with Luke and Owen. Fun fact, Luke and uh-huh. Owen were not popular names at all until Star Wars. Uh, uh, Luke and Owen became very popular baby names. After the release of Star Wars, I know this because there's a fucking book about it. I'm a nerd. This is a ongoing thing that we human beings do Uh, in any like Game of Thrones. uh, Tyrion, for whatever reason, became a very popular baby name. Uh, Yeah, there's a whole generation of kids named Anakin. There is. For some reason. Yeah. And, And it's just the way it's just kind of the it's the phenomenon of it all there in in New Zealand. Uh. I have several friends who named their child uh, Gandalf and Bilbo and all this Aragorn. kind of sh- Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Aragorn. By yeah. the way, I, I, naming your kid Aragorn—that's that's a tough name to live up to. Yeah, like, yeah. Talk about like they have to be kid. hot for that to work. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, also not for nothing, Luke is a biblical name. True. So it may not have been a popular name to give your children. Right. Uh, not yet. But it's it existed, but George Lucas did not invent the name Luke. No, so no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't want to apply that at all. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> anyway, so the Blythe family start trying to wiggle out of their shackles because everything's come to a screeching halt. But the Nihil are fucking pissed. One of them cracks Odo across the head and is about to fucking kill him. Erica gets in the way, gets some ribs broken in the process. The, <sighs> Nihil, are, the Nihil start arguing. Because they're like, you cannot kill any of them. If you do, we lose money. We are trying to ransom them. We need live hostages for that. Like, the Nihil thing is a business. Yeah. Don't fuck with the business. Like, can you imagine how pissed Lorna D would be if they killed one of the hostages? Oh, girl. Th- like, that, that is that is not the wrath I would like to experience. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And not, not because you shouldn't kill hostages, but because that's one-fourth of the profit we would have made here. Yeah. So, so. Anyway, the Nihil leader, who is a cloud, apparently, posts two of the Nihil to stay behind and shoot whoever it is that's following them, uh, while she's going to take the rest of the crew and the fam and run off to the ship. And if you're the two that are left behind, you've got to know she's not coming back for you. Right. Right? Right. Like, but I don't know. I guess the Nihil are stupid. Anyway, they start moving again. Uh, Erika uh, looks at the dust cloud that's approaching behind them and... Quote, three lines of light blossomed from the riders coming up fast behind them. One gold, one blue, one green. And Erica realized what was happening, who these people were. By the light, she breathed, they're Jedi. <gasps> yes! Everything's going to be okay! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these fucking Nihil! Jedi are coming. The Nihil are so fucked now. I'm, How cinematic is this, though? Like, I'm literally picturing so middle of a desert canyon. There's a cloud mm-hmm. of of dust ahead right. ahead of them on the horizon, and then you see the lightsabers activate from within right? the cloud. I fucking like, love the, this book. The heroic music starts to play. Yeah. Oh, but then we cut away because we have to. Because 
<laughs> Why not? Well, well, cause we have to go to, um, to this hot mess of a scene. Okay. Chapter 28, Hyperspace, the new elite. Uh oh. Which is apparently Kasav's ship. Oh man. The Tempest Runner, the, the what, the, the dirty Tempest Runner from the Nihil. <laughs> not the hot one, Panada, not the scary one, Lorna D. He's the dirty one. <laughs> Uh, I think it was. A, did I make this statement already? Charles and I made a made a joke a long time ago about how Kasif is probably the one that we're going to end up dating because it's the one that we deserve versus <laughs> versus Pan, Pan Ada or Martian or somebody like that. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I think you could do better. I'm just saying. Um, I love that it everybody start, can do better. I love it starts off with Kasif uh, apparently inhaling something. Okay, no, we're gonna. I'm gonna read this. Oh yeah, because Go ahead. this is our first very clear description of Star Wars hard drugs. Uh oh, like there's been death sticks before, yep. you know, and and the occasional booze uh, or a light poisoning or something, <laughs> uh, but not hardcore recreational drugs. So here we go. <clears throat> Quote: He held up a bulb of smash. Bright blue and soft, with a slim nozzle at one end, designed to make the drugs accessible to just about every type of gas exchange anatomy in the galaxy. Whether you had a nose, a trunk, stomata, a proboscis, or just some weird hole in your face, you could use a smash bulb. And that's just good business. (laughs) That is exactly what I was going to say. Like, if you're a drug dealer in a galaxy far, far away... You have to come up with different methods to deliver your your products. You got to be inclusive. You got to be accessible. Right. right. And like that's why is that business being better applied to hard drugs in a space opera than it is applied to real life now? I like. God well, damn look, it! If we had Palowix, where they can stuff things into their fluid sack, then <laughs> fluid sack. <laughs> anyway, so. Kasev is fucking high, and apparently there's a there's a follow up drug that you take to bring you down off of the space meth a sure. little bit, sure. sort of ease it out. Sure, like, it's the it's poppers, the and, it's it's the uppers and downers cycle. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's not there yet because he wants to ride this high so he can be that annoying wannabe intellectual at the party. No, I hate it. I mean, it's great for a book because he's got all of this thinking about history and and business relations and stuff within the Nihil that he's going to do. It's really annoying in person. Y'all, don't be that guy. If you know that you're a talker once you get a little substance into you, know that this is annoying. It's so <laughs> Nobody annoying. Nobody wants to hear it. Look, I I like weed. I like alcohol. Those are my yep. two. Those are my two vices. And I really don't like being around people that do other kinds of drugs because they're all fucking annoying. Right, they're they're grinding their teeth and monologuing, and I hate it. It's it's it, yeah. If you got your yeah, you got your stuff. They're like going that. full full Ron DeSantis on the jaw. <laughs> my le- actually, my least favorite are when people take mushrooms or LSD or something like that. And there's they, no communicating with somebody who's on shrooms. The, but like the, they can only communicate with other people who are on shrooms. But they're extroverted, so they she try. Said, as though from experience. Hey, we're not going to talk about that. <clears throat> We've I, talked about it before. I'm not sure why you're suddenly shy. Because I'm embarrassed for my own behavior because <laughs> of the things I have done. Uh, look, it's really annoying, y'all. Just don't do it. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, and your health of, or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, social shame works better than actual concerns for your health. Yeah, so. it does. Uh, so Kasev, in his grand internal eloquence, 
induced by space myth, uh, is do, he gives us a history info dump, basically, on the whole Martian and the Paz and the Nihil thing. So back in the day, Martian's dad approached the Nihil, who were just like a little shit kicker outer rim marauder gang back then, uh-huh. right? He shows up and he's like, hi, here's the paths. You can totally use them, but you need to give me, the I, one third of everything you take and I get a vote in what this gang does. And then in the voting, all ties go to me. It's a really good system if you can get it. Fucking crazy. It's brilliant because it pits pits all the Tempest Runners against each other, vying for the I's favor so that they can get paths and do stuff, right? But... Now that Papa Roe is dead, Martian should be vulnerable enough for Kasav to kill him and take the paths, but that system that's been put in place protects Martian, and Martian told them that if he ever died, there are safeguards on the paths that would destroy them. So there's no taking the paths from him. I.e. he would blow up the gaze electric. <laughs> right, exactly. He would just fucking stab Mari Santeca in the throat. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then Kasav starts talking, thinking about the Nihil and how uh, the whole pitch to join the Nihil is like, it's all about freedom and getting to do whatever you want. There's no republic. There's no huts. You just take and and do the drugs and, and fucking eat a lot. And nobody can tell you what to do. Except, you know, ride that storm, baby. Ride that storm. Except the reality of the situation is every single Nihil needs to do exactly what they're told or they die. Right. And so... Kasav's like, that would be really hypocritical if that system didn't serve me completely. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, all right, I should take the the drug that helps me come down out of this for a second and get to work. We've got business to do here. He looks over at his three storms, his little lieutenants in this tempest that he's running, which are Gravan, uh, Delix, and Wet Bub. You so like Wet Bub, Okie Day? Wet Bub. Yeah. Wetbub is a Gungan. Yeah. Now, his name is not Wetbub. That's just what they call him. His name is Bub. Uh, but they call him Wetbub because they would get into fights and stuff and raids, and he would always come back completely drenched in blood. Yay. Covered head to toe in blood. Holy shit. <laughs> Wetbub is a monster mm-hmm. you just don't think you just don't think of gungans that way like gungans are all boss nass and jar jar binks and you know captain tarples and stuff like it's not <laughs> oh they're are evil gungan too yeah apparently mm-hmm. this is some darth jar jar shit right yeah here. right except that he's it's not even the dark side of the force he's just a monster yeah okay gungans have sociopaths too what can you do everybody anyway. everybody everybody does so Kasav's plan is to roll up on Ariadu. Oh, I've heard that planet before. Right. So quick review. Uh, Ariadu is a planet in the, uh, it is a mountainous jungle planet in the Seswena sector of the Outer Rim. And, you know, give it a couple of centuries and it will be the birthplace of one Grand Moff Will of Tarkin. Her. Oh, her. (laughs) Okay, so his plan is to roll up on Ariadu and use the emergences data that he got from Martian to blackmail Ariadu, essentially. He's assigned Graven's team to do the team that runs the guns to shoot down the emergences. Wetbub is also a slicer, and he's going to uh, hack into Ariadu's comms so that they can do the blackmail. Delix is the navigator. She's going to calculate all of their movements. Everything has to be very precise, so it's a good thing everyone's super tweaking right now. Right? God damn it, Kasav. 
It's so stupid. Okay, so plan into action. Uh, Kasav is really trapped a lot in this because he's got the whole Tempest is watching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he has to play to them. And so he, I feel like this really pushes him into a lot of bad decisions. Um, also, he's an idiot. He's that a giant. Too. He's a giant idiot. He's one of those like weird, like hybrid frat theater boys that needs Ooh, all the yeah. attention in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember those boys? They uh, would be yeah. in our intro to fine arts class. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like shoes in your dream. Hold on. <laughs> I don't dream, man. I go to bed drunk every night. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so into the action here we go with the plan they pop in at the outer edge of Ariadu's space wet bub hacks in to call the governor herself Meral Veen of Ariadu and Kasav immediately starts to like blackmail the safety of the planet he's like emergencies are coming I know where they are if you pay up I will save you from them and she's like fuck you and he's like okay cool um, you don't believe I can predict the emergencies here we go here's the coordinates Three, two, one, boom an emergence pops out right next to them and he's like, see, my data's right. And they shoot it down. And he's like, give me 50 million credits or the next one's going to kill all your people. What? Because I have the data for that, too. Here's the thing. This 50 million credits that he's blackmailing them for, he has no intention of sharing this with the rest of the Nihil. I know. He plans to take this money and run, which is the dumbest plan. Do you remember the paths? Do you remember that Martian Rowe could pop out of space up your ass at any time? <laughs> with, with a much bigger ship, by the way. Right. <laughs> it, your money won't save you. Pan Ada and Lorna D will be furious. Like, oh, yeah. If you don't think Lorna D is not going to hunt your ass down and kill you. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Anyway, the governor's like, fuck you. I'm sending security forces your way. They're going to blow you the fuck up. And... um we have already scanned your ship. We know that that is the new elite Uh-oh. that is registered to a Captain Kasav. Is that you? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Another emergence pops out, takes out a freighter ship, the explosion of which takes out several other ships around it. Hundreds of people die. And Kasav's like, hey, so you saw that, right? We got a countdown going to the next big emergence. It's pro- totally going to kill a bunch more of your people. So do you believe me now? And the governor's like, fuck, and sends him the money. Right? Mm-hmm. So Kasav gives the signal and he's like, we're going to make the super precise jump over there and pop out just in time to, to shoot down this emergence. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be precise. Except everybody's fucking tweaking right. again. So are we shocked, really, that they missed? I love that they missed. I fucking love it. And he saw that this thing was a passenger pod. Yeah. Like... So maybe that was Serge's parents. Oh, God, why? Yeah. But yeah, he's they missed. They popped out at exactly the wrong spot. The shots fired off through empty space. The emergence went and hit the moon and fucking destroyed it. Like, what? I can't, yeah. <sighs> Millions of people just died because Kasav's navigator was high. Yeah. Holy shit. Now... Granted, they would have died anyway, uh-huh. even if Kasav hadn't shown up, because the emergence was going to happen regardless. But still, he could have prevented it. He did not. They gave cool. they gave the people of Ariadu something, someone to blame. Yes. Yeah. So the governor gets on the comms, and she vows vengeance. She says that the people of Ariadu are hunters, and they will hunt his ass down because they know who he is and they know his ship. I have to recommend the audiobook for this part. Because yeah. Mark Thompson's voice 
when mm. he plays mm. pissed mm. off woman. Mm. <laughs> mm. And also, uh, uh, who knew Tarkin's people were all fucking assholes willing to murder people? I think he's just a product of his environment. Yeah. 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 So Kasav hangs up on her and he looks out at this Tempest who have all been like laughing and joking along with him and they're all silent and staring at him now. Yeah. And he thinks these people on Ariadu knew his name, knew his ship. He had their money, but he didn't like the sound of what the governor was saying. She didn't seem like the type to let things go. He would need protection. He needed to be part of something bigger. Well, shit, I guess he's going back to the Nihil. Back to no space. Boom. Oops. Good fucking luck explaining this to them. I'm sure. Look, I'm sure. I'm sure the eye and the Tempest Runners are going to be totally understanding, and it's nothing fine. terrible is going to happen yeah. to Kasuv. No, no, nothing at all. It's totally fine. <laughs> anyway, chapter twenty nine, Hetzel system, the rooted moon. At least we're not on the fruited. Rooted and fruited, Charles Soule. I love you, and I love this book. I don't think he. I don't think he just came up. With, I. I think it's a committee effort. And I. And I. And I it feels. It feels like a committee effort because committee shit is bad. Look, <laughs> I. Okay, are the names stupid? Yes. Are yes. they out of context of Star Wars? No. 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 They're not, and they're accurate. Like it just. I just have a hard time. Believing that all 40 billion people of the Hetzel system were like, rooted and fruited. That sounds fun. That certainly doesn't sound like a euphemism. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go get rooted and fruited tonight. Uh, uh, Like, Oh, that's a great idea. Um, See, there you go. When you get to watch a certain thing, we're going to have a talk about planet names. (laughs) Okay. We'll get there. So in this chapter, we finally get to really meet Kevin Tarr. Mm. The fucking super genius superhero nerd who's been making everything possible up to this point. And we love him. We love him. Like, oh, because it's it's one thing to be a super genius nerd. I know plenty of super genius nerds. They're awful. (laughs) For the most part. Some are great. Yeah. But they are the exception that proves the rule. Like. Because a lot of what comes with being a super genius does not come with a lot of mm, social skills. Yeah, consideration ethics. for others, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Tarr, though, is that beautiful, rare, nerdy bird uh, who has ethics and stuff. So like we, he, we're in his head for a bit, and he is looking out across this array because he got what he asked for, kind of. All of these droids to to put together into a massive supercomputer to try and calculate what Mari Santeca is able to calculate in her mind, which is the predicting the future emergences so that they can try and prevent disasters before they happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's looking at it an array that has fifty seven thousand eight hundred and seventeen Navadroids. That's a fuck ton. He asked for a hundred thousand. But okay. This, yeah, that's fine. Though the, the Santecas did show up and gave him some uh, extra help, uh, extra yeah. computer systems and stuff to help augment the lack of Navidroids. So that's nice. Well, they sent their Navulators. Yeah. And he describes them. They all have shaved heads and cranial implants to help with their computing. So are these early Lobots? Yeah. Cool. And or, not- or is one of them actually Lobot and he's just very old? <gasps> Ooh. Headcanon! That's hot. Headcanon! Anyway, you were going to say something? Sorry. 
No, uh, no, I, 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 I'm just going to say, you know, of course, I'm thinking the Santecas are there because they're concerned about, uh, you know, their their situation. What if Mari's uh-huh. still alive? Blah blah blah, like all this right. stuff, right? So, mm-hmm. so they want front row seats to this shit, right? Because they want to not just because like this is important or whatever, but also they have a very personal stake in getting the origins of their massive fortune found out. So, yeah. Anyway, this the whole purpose of this array is to predict future emergences. And Kevin Tarr thinks to himself, if I can do that, I'm basically a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> but then he looks over at the Jedi that are there and he's like, no, I'm not a no, Jedi. No, I'm not because, a Jedi. Because that's Avar Chris and Elzar Man. Hello. And I love this description. Okay. Just, oof. Quote. They seemed like nice people, but honestly, he was nothing like them. Avar was all quiet confidence and utter competence. And Elzar looked like someone out of a hollow drama with his olive skin and dark wavy hair. Just a beautiful man. Yeah. End quote. That's what it says in the book. Kevin Tarr's like, God damn, he's pretty. I don't care what sexual orientation you are. You can appreciate have, that. Like, Elzar man is Elzar Man, you know? <laughs> so yeah, ding on the Elzar Man romance novel trope counter. He's just <laughs> gorgeous. There is no reason for him to be gorgeous unless it's because he's a romance novel trope. Yep. Anyway, Kevin thinks to himself that he's more like a droid with his calculations and his systems and his rules, and he could absolutely be a menace to the galaxy as a slicer if he wanted to be, but he respects the law and the Republic too much. Uh, we stand a respectful nerd. We do. We do. Yeah. But now, with this massive array of computers in front of him, he's going to slice hyperspace. And he is, like, so nerd-sided about it. <laughs> I love him. There's lots of powerful people here. Not just the Santecas or the Jedi. Uh, also Senator Noor, uh, Secretary Lorilia, Minister Eka. So no pressure, Kevin. Get it right. God. But he also has help. Did you see this? What? It, what? Chief Inaman and Lieutenant Peoples. <laughs> the guys from the Solar Array Rescue. Yes. They got promoted out of it and they decided to stay at Hetzel and help to honor the sacrifice made by Captain Bright. I just... Why is everybody in this galaxy so good? What happened? What happened? (laughs) What happened? The Night Hill happened, I'm guessing. The Sith, yeah. Yeah, everything. Everything bad happened. Anyway, they're almost ready. And Kevin Tarr has a moment to think to himself deep down in the back of his mind where nobody can hear it, that he kind of wishes there had been more emergences so that he would have more data points. Uh, Let's not have more planet killing stuff happen, please. Well, yeah. And that's why it's way in the back of his mind, because... There have there have been 29 emergences so far. Yeah. Like since Abdallah's, there's been 28 more. Okay. Which means that there's been like at least a dozen more just since Chancellor So had that meeting back Good on Good Lord. Side. Yeah, it just keeps fucking happening. But each data point would make the predictions more accurate. So, I mean, that's true. Like as somebody that has been in the web hosting business, uh, when websites crash we learn a lot about the technology and Mm -hmm. yes it's true the more websites crash the more we learn right yeah and so like that just that's just science okay that's just science and data and the numbers and the numbers don't care about the humanity or or the the tragedy involved yeah the same is true true. for uh hurricanes (laughs) (laughs) how long do you think before we have hurricane the movie 
Oh, I, I'm sure it's coming. Um, yeah. have I, I haven't told you that story yet. I can't believe I forgot to mention that story. So if y'all don't, didn't know, Southern California got hit with a tropical storm for the first time in like 90 years or something like that. Right. On the day of its arrival, we also get an earthquake. Not a small earthquake either. Like yeah. It was a decent earthquake. Pete, uh, so I was... Uh, it was like a 5.5, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I was playing a, a video game online with friends. One of those friends were very close to the epic center of said earthquake. And so we're we're playing games, and all of a sudden the guy goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And I'm like, uh, "Is your partner doing something to you on the other side of that video game there that you need to mute or something, boy?" He's like, "No, the it's an earthquake." And I'm like, "What?" And suddenly it started shaking in my my place because whoa. earthquakes are a ripple; they don't happen all at once, right? Right. Uh, but That's mine crazy. was very minor. But yeah. See, and that's why I can never live on the coast. The ground shakes there. No, thank you. Look, all you have to bear in mind is that you live in constant danger, and at any moment, your entire reality could be destroyed. No big deal. Yeah, that's why I moved out of Texas. (laughs) Except it's not because the earth shakes there. It's because the politicians wanted me and my family dead. So Yeah, different, different. Little things. Mother Nature just wants me dead. Yeah, I have a way cooler villain. And who could blame her? (laughs) And no one blames her. (laughs) Getting back to the book. Okay. Uh, Hurricane the movie uh, to be released in 2025. I guarantee you. Yeah. So um, Kevin Tarr is worried about this array, though, because one computer on its own, we all know, like I'm sitting next to one right now, can heat up. Yeah. 57,817 computers all linked together. That could be a, that changes the that's atmosphere. Gonna, it's going to eat a huge amount of power. Mm-hmm. Like this is ridiculous. He has set up this array on a plateau that gets a lot of good cooling breeze in the hopes that that will help. But like it's going to be a lot, and he knows that some of the people who donated their droids will not be getting those droids back. Oops. Yeah. So anyway, it's time to fire it up, right? And he tells Inaman to pull all of his workers back from the array, and Inaman's like, "Why? Yeah, Kevin, why?" <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you want anybody alive anywhere near this array right now? What could it possibly be? We briefly switch over to Senator Noor's perspective. This is the guy who's in charge of the whole outer rim. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The one who talks a lot of shit about Chancellor So, that guy. And he has a top aide. Her name is Jenny, again, with the normal names. Jenny. <laughs> yeah, so Jenny Wataro. She's a Chagrian. And Senator Noor thinks to himself, every politician could use a Chagrian aide. You mean like Masameda? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Masameda mm-hmm. is also a Chagrian. Uh, yeah. And then he, while he's quietly talk, shit talking Chancellor So, uh, his aide is like, you should totally run for Chancellor then if you don't like the job she's doing. And that's bitchy and I love her a little. <laughs> but Senator Noor's like, you know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I dun, will. Dun, I feel like dun. that's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. What's that? Do you hear this? Yeah, it's a uh, Is that your my sex neighbor, toy boss? My neighbor's going off? Oh. Yes, of course. Obviously, my entire drawer of vibrators just went off. No, that's my neighbor. He's very nice, but he's got the loudest fucking car. Anyway, we're just going to have to talk around it. Okay. So, back to Kevin Tar. All 57,000 plus droids fire up and start calculating and they start 3D modeling the legacy run incident. Cool. So then at once it's done modeling that, the next task is to model all of the known emergences. And then once they've got all of that data in their many, many, many minds, they should be able to start modeling predictions of future emergences. There's just one problem. It's heating up really fast. Mm-hmm. 
Are you there? Yes, I got distracted with a comment that patron just said. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it, Nimbles. <laughs> I Oh fuck. Uh, so they said, dude, if I were a ghost, I would absolutely haunt someone's drawer vibrators. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I have to think about that. This is that. why this is why you have to minimize it, bitch. I, 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 I switched my screen for just a second, and I saw that. Uh, it's as if my, my psyche knew someone's making a sex toy joke. <laughs> like You're you, going to want to like read it. Like you could smell it. It's like you could it's smell like it. I could smell it. <laughs> it. Smells like lube. Anyway, God. So the problem is the heat. Right, the heat. Right? The heat. Yes. Um, so it starts rising to the point where the people who are fixated on this 3D model that's being rendered rendered are like, I'm sweating. What's going on? Right, right. Why? And there's also like that heat wave effect thing happening above yeah, all the droids. Yeah, big crazy shimmer. Yeah. Like this is where shit starts getting really cinematic because I can totally see it in my mind. Yeah. Just this field of like all these Navidroids. And Kevin Tarr is like having to deploy pill droids with AC units to like fly over and spray cooling stuff. On all of the overheating stuff, but it's it's not enough. Droids start fucking blowing up. There are sparks flying. Now the the issue has the attention of all the bigwigs who are like, Kevin, what the fuck is happening? What's going on here? And Kevin Tarr is having a panic attack ding on the Buriaga Agaburi related that, relatable awkwardness. Thank counter. you. Thank you. <laughs> because he's like, oh my God, I can fix it. It's fine. It's fine. It's not going to be fine. Oh my God, everything's going to fail and fall apart and they're going to blame me and they're never going to let me try anything ever again. And he's just spiraling, right? And then there's a hand on his shoulder. <gasps> and Avar Chris tells him, be calm. And just like that, he calms down. Yes, mother. So instead of a therapy droid or a Wookiee to hug, can I get an Avar Chris just to tell me uh, to calm down? So Please. normally I don't like being told calm down. Right. That is that is how you but opposite. Today Master me. Avar Chris is allowed to tell me to calm down. Like that that is a that is right. someone that you know it right. helps us she's also using the force is, on Kevon. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is the first time in this book right here, this is a moment in history. This is the first time ever in the history of sentient beings that anyone has calmed down by being told to calm down. <laughs> because if you tell me to calm yeah, down, I'll, I'll show, show you, you what calm down, calm. down looks you like. You don't want calm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so she's like, what's going on? And he tells her about the overheating and how mm -hmm. it's a problem, right? Uh, and so she turns to Elzar. She's like, you got any ideas? Uh, and Elzar thinks for a second, and then he's like, yeah, actually, I do. I've never tried it before, but the theory is sound. Just follow my lead, okay? And oh, he, my God. Fuck. He plops down into a meditation position. And here we have a moment inside Avar's head. And it says, quote, she suspected this was one of his refinements. Ideas were constantly popping into his head, ways the force might be used to do new things, new ways the light side might answer his call. He failed all the time, but she found his commitment to bringing new ideas to the Jedi inspiring. To Elzar Mann, what the Jedi were was nowhere near as interesting as what they could be. Wow. Right? So she's like, okay, I'm going to trust you on this one. And she plops down all graceful next to him. Now they're both meditating and he's helping. She's helping him. Right. And he's already like deep in the effort here where he's moving air. 
And air is a lot heavier than you think it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's trying to move the air that's over the droids, and it's really, really difficult. But then she, he feels her join him, and he thinks Avar was with him. That was good. Everything was easier when she was at his side. Ugh. Hold on, it gets worse. So they start moving the air, right? And it starts working. They're lifting the hot air, which is what it wants to do anyway. They're lifting the hot air up off the droids and up into the atmosphere. And it starts to work. It starts to gather in the atmosphere and it starts to gather water up there. They're making rain. They're yeah. seeding the clouds. They're making rain. Yeah. And and so the storm cloud starts to form and, quote, Elzar felt something like exultation. Not pride. That was not the Jedi way. But joy in a difficult job, well done by two people connecting on a deep level. They had always been this way, ever since their Padawan days. Their connection made many things better. But, if he was being honest with himself, it also made some things worse. So my notes I have, so they're just force-fucking right now. (laughs) He wishes. Oh, yeah. He wishes. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. This is a giant ding on the Elzar Man romance novel trope counter. Uh Uh-huh. The unequal affection. Ugh. Because he adores adores her like she's his soulmate he just he feels that deep deep down inside he just fucking loves her she really respects and admires him (laughs) i like you a lot as a friend (laughs) you're a really good colleague like what anyway they fucking make it rain it's a huge effort these jedi are drenched in sweat um and it's just it's so fucking difficult but they cause rain they cause rain this is not something any jedi has ever done before and they got to be careful because now they might start getting petitions to go do this everywhere right anywhere that needs rain like Tatooine might like a rainstorm just saying (laughs) could be there has to be water in the atmosphere first (laughs) yeah true but there's this fucking cool moment again so cinematic kevin tar looks he's like oh my god it's raining that's cool and so the rain is falling on all these droids they're cooling down instantly there's this huge cloud of steam that's rising off of this array right Mm -hmm. he looks over at these two jedi who are kneeling there meditating with all this steam and it's described as quote the jedi looked as if they were trying to lift a starship with their bare hands the sun was still bright off the plateau and the light shone through the rain causing a glinting spectrum to surround them both wow Oof! what a fucking image just this, like, can't you just hear the Force theme playing as the, this rainbow of power? Just all, ugh, oh, ah, I love them. Uh, anyway, it works. The array starts calculating new emergences. <gasps> Kevin Tarr sliced hyperspace. Ding. Ding what? No, just I love nerds. Oh, okay, <laughs> just ding, level up. Do we need an I love nerds counter? Because it's all going to be Kevin Tar. The Kevin Tar I love nerds counter? That We broke that counter a long time okay, ago. Okay, fuck it. Yeah. He's fucking great. And um, wow. So they're going to be able to do what the Nihil are already doing. So I'm sure that won't lead to any confrontations. No, no. I, I any, no, no. Anybody, any Republic forces showing up at the same time as Nihil forces no. or anything like that? No. That won't no, be. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. In fact, I think Marshawn will call up the Chancellor and go... Chancellor, I have to say I am sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I have changed my ways. No, sir. No, it's not going to happen. No, it's not happening. Anyway, that is the end of chapter 29. Uh, So that is the end of what I've taken notes on today. That's awesome. 
That's, that's awesome. It. I'm done. Um, do you have anything else for uh, chapters 24 through 29? No. Uh, just a reminder, I love this book, and I can't wait for the next oh episode because my favorite moment is happening. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember. Oh, I yeah. Have, we're, we're well into the parts of the book I don't fucking remember uh-huh. from when I listened to it on the audiobook. Uh, so everything's going to be a fresh... Fresh surprise for me. Cannot wait. Anyway. Yay. All right. So the next time we will be starting with chapter 30. I don't know how far we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of hard for us to calculate y'all like where we're going to stop because like we kind of judge it based on the length of the, <laughs> the, the <laughs> 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 uh, length of the chapter. So and then, tired. of course, like how much time in the week do we have to, to do right. the book? Uh, so we'll start with chapter 30. We'll see how far we get. And we'll, I'll try to give people a heads up on Twitter. I'm sorry, on whatever social media, uh, right. ahead of time. We'll try and let, we'll try and let everybody know. It'll be great. Okay. Okay. Do you have anything else for nope. this? No, nope. no. Nope. Okay. Are we ready to outro? Yep. Okay, cool. <clears throat> hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. Uh, if you enjoyed the music at the top of the episode, um, that was a gift from a listener. His name is Chorlesy. Uh, you can find him on the social medias as at C-H-O-R-L-S-Y. Uh, if you would like to hang out with us in between episodes, and why wouldn't you? We're a delight. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Divas. Also, y'all, if you haven't done so already, you should really subscribe to our podcast. Our uh-huh. podcast is available kind of like on every single like, oh, my God, like platform. Like, oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. I just went... Are you having a stroke? What's I'm... going on? Girl, I'm from California. That's how we talk. Uh, so uh, also, we have a YouTube channel under Dark Side Divas. If you do a search for Dark Side Divas, you can subscribe to our channel from time to time. We'll do live stuff there. Like, for example, we're going to do a free live version of our Marvelous Divas uh, uh, recording very soon when this episode drops it's already happened but you can go back to that channel and watch that recording and if you like what you see by the way we're going to do start doing that all the time on our patreon for five bucks a month if you go to patreon.com forward slash divas podcast you can get unedited video versions of our shows access to our discord which is the greatest in all the galaxy uh and so much more uh Girl, we are lo- gonna get kicked off of fucking youtube Right, we're gonna get. Oh my god, we're gonna get sued. Man, this is the moment. Um, also, last but certainly not least, we have a swag store, uh, redbubble.com forward slash official divas. You can have uh, logos and the funny shit we say in sticker form, t shirt form, so- cell phone cases, etc. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is it. Okay, so then we say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay? Bye. We love you.